0: This is Khufu and welcome to my podcast, The Little Lurking. Today, we're talking about poetry. A lot of my listeners asked me to talk about poetry, but my research never amounted to anything concrete. Honestly, I have no idea about poetry and I'm not that inclined towards poetry either. But I do have some favorites. My favorite poets are all on Instagram, such as Arkeef Kichlu, Langliab and Michael Fordett. I know my guest must be rolling his eyes at me because uh, not all of those people are counted as poets, but that's my range of poetry as far as I can tell. But I do like a few poems by Dickinson and Charles Bukowski as well. So maybe you can count that and not discount me completely. Anyway, I'm learning. I'm looking forward to learning more about poetry with you guys and I'm going to ask a lot of stupid questions and I'm also going to read out the questions sent by you guys on Instagram in the end so make sure you stay till the end and I hope my guest Sagar Arora can be patient with me and answers the questions in a simple language for me to understand I seriously don't understand any fancy words. I don't know why people think my vocab is good. It's not, it's trash. It's totally trash. Okay, you've heard Sagar on Let's Letlerki before. He's a final year MA English student and ergo my senior. I have a nickname for him. I call him Sunbae, which is Korean for senior. And Sagar has done his graduation in English too. He writes poetry, clicks amazing pictures and has really good taste in music. And he's working on his poetry book
1: also. Yay! All right. Thank you, my dear, dear editor. Uh, Yeah, so not just the host, but also the editor of everything that I'm supposed to write and compile. Thank you for having me. I am really, really excited to be here and talk about something which, you know, I think is very fundamental to all forms of life, that is poetry, very essential to language. So let me uh, tell you guys a little bit about myself. Uh, so I'm a poet as well as a student of literature, which however obvious it seems, is not very, it's not very much a favorable con- combination. Because while dealing with academic analysis, one really goes to dissect poetry and literature rather than interacting with its surface flavors, you know. Uh, so you've caught me at this adjunction of thought. I won't speak in this complex academic jargon, Uh, Well, let's face it, I cannot. (laughs) Four years of academy and I still cannot because they they sound obscure. But then yes, uh, I also have some tiny bits of facts that might be a little fun to the conversation we are going to have. So yeah.
0: Yay, I'm excited and that's really good to hear. My memory of reading poetry in school is not the best either. I remember there was a poem where poet had talked about some blue curtains and my English teacher was adamant that the color of the curtain is blue because the poet is sad. And I just stood up and I said, No, it doesn't have to be maybe the colour is just blue, okay? It doesn't have to do anything with his feelings. She didn't like my take on it and yeah, I just stopped reading poetry after that. That's where my love for poetry went down the drain and I never picked it up again. It just became a paragraph to dissect instead of feeling. So I guess I know where you're coming from. And I know poetry is a form of expression of feelings and ideas using some distincting style and rhythm, but do all poems have to rhyme? Like how many types of poetry is there and which one is the most relevant in these times?
1: Okay, so this is really interesting to begin with. Uh, to answer with a number to this question, like, you know, there are eight or eight thousand forms of poetry would be assigning this discussion to like a really limited cultural space. Uh, because, you know, you, if you look at language, uh, you see how every language will have a different variance of expressing itself. And that's where poetry really comes in. You know, that is why poetry is so innate and individual to each language. So uh, to really explain this, uh, let me take you across a little journey. Right. So, I mean, you know, everybody loves Himachin, the mountains there. But, you know, there is one very interesting thing about Himachin is the variance in language. Right. So, you know, let's go to Himachal. We will start from one town and then cross a, a, a few on the way, right? And what we will witness is that uh, after every four town, and this is data from SOAS, you know, uh, an institute that specializes in language and linguistic research, and they say, that every four towns in a mountainous region like Himachal, the language changes, the dialect changes in a way that poetry is impacted. So now we sit across and we, we, we're going to count exactly how many poetry, you know, how many, how many types of poetry and how many ways of speaking poetry and how many ways of rejoicing poetry can there be? Endless, that's, that's the actual answer to it. Uh, but then again, uh, if you really go to the traditional knowledge of uh, understanding poetry, we can go back to Europe. And, you know, we can just time travel a little bit because nobody wants to be in 2020. Uh, Renaissance as the famous form, you know, as a famous name for this time period when suddenly in Europe, everything was being exchanged, right? From plagues to ideas, to forms of poetry, to, you know, Almost everything was being exchanged in Europe in the 15th century. And uh, what happened then was uh, the transfer of poetic forms as well, like sonnets. So if we say that one form is being carried across, and then we look at what happens to the form in different countries, like it starts from Italy, then it goes to England, then it goes to France. And at the end of the day, uh, like by the end of like, uh, let's just sit there and like, Look at the various sonnets that there has there have been uh, by the end of like the 18th century or something. And you will see there are so many. I mean, Shakespearean, Spencerian, these are just a few to name. And sonnet, like by very definition, it's just a 14-line poem. But then those definitions are going to alter so much. And, you know, all the best to anybody who's going to pursue literature because these confusions are always there. So, well... You know, that's about it to answer this really vivid question. There are endless forms and there's a lot that can be changed in a short amount of geographical or chronological order. So poetry is as alive as its civilization, I guess. So you see, there cannot be a number to quantify the types of poetry, uh, which very much links us to the contemporary situation of poetry. Heartbreaking poets like Emily Dickinson gave this reverb to the poetic tradition by defying the use of structured language, instead using symbols like dashes. I mean, screw you grammar, that's that's what her approach was that, you know, the whole post-structural era, that is the 21st century, that is right now, everything seems to challenge any form that seems to be stable. I mean, that's what we really study post-structuralism in literature as. So free verse, to an extent, is like this independent form of traditional ways, right? But this further extends to this question of then how is prose and poetry even different? And it goes on; the question keeps on coming. But to finalize, poetry today is mostly free verse. It can be one-liners. It can be like a pattern of words, or it can even be, it can even be not written. It can be spoken poetry. It can be slam poetry. So, really, there is no way we can really prioritize a form over the other. It is all about where you, as a poet or a reader, feel comfortable.
0: This does not give me any hopes for being a literature <laughs> student. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just scared now. And it, even as an editor, this is difficult when I'm questioned about poetry because I don't know what's going on. Nobody knows, right? There are no rules. But, and I'm someone who doesn't really get things unless they're in a bullet point format. And your answer has left me like free falling through Mm -hmm. the endless forms of poetry. I'm still somewhere in Himachal and Europe thinking about what happened exactly. And it's not a good thing for someone with borderline OCD. So I'll just try to cling to a thread so that I don't feel groundless. There are some defined and traditional types of poetry, but when poetry comes in contact with different languages, it changes form and that's why there are so many formats. And in the end, it doesn't have to be some words that rhyme, but just a pattern of words that convey a feeling. I guess the word pattern is the key here, right? Wow,
1: look at you writing your papers already.
0: Great (laughs) job.
1: Yeah, perfect. I think that makes sense.
0: Great. Okay, so next question is, are there any rules to writing poetry or should one stick to one particular form or other while writing poetry?
1: Yeah, so the natural follow-up question, right? So I want to answer this uh, maybe with some sort of examples, right? Like language as a medium of articulation around the subject, It it really does matter what you're writing about. I mean, think about it if you're going to write about something which is grand in nature, if you're going to write about the stars or if you're going to write about like, you know, if you're writing to your lover, I mean, uh, that might be of some extent, right? So if you're talking about the length of poetry, it it really is up to the subject of how much you really derive out of it. As a poet, that's how it is, right? But as we discussed, uh, the contemporary might just... Gives, give us another very different form of poetry, which is very condensed, it's very small, you know. So with poetry, condensation and this concentration of feeling, you know, a single word, uh, I feel, can be greater than that of, it, it can have a density greater than that of prose. And this is recognized. I'm not saying that prose might intake less detail, but there's a different way in both the styles, you know. So the you know, maybe we can think about it like photography, right. So prose would be a photograph that undertakes more of a wide angle shot with more objects to correlate or define the subject, right. Poetry would be almost like a studio setting, you know, where, where the subject is everything. Music is going, music is going to guide you through the galaxies and, you know, just drop you at a black hole and you don't know where you're going to end up. So in the studio uh, setting, you're most likely to concentrate on the subject with such a powerful uh, expression, you know. So that's kind of like a rough analogy, uh, if that really works. Regardless, poetry and prose demarcation is another discussion. Uh, Again, there are many forms of both styles, making it extremely complex to again differentiate. That's something maybe our very humble host might be doing in her first year, who knows? <laughs> uh, but to get back to the question, uh, haikus are more popular than sonnets. Haikus being three line poems, and haiku, uh, sonnets, as we discussed, a 14 line poem. Uh, maybe that has to do with the reducing attention span of our species. I don't want to sound pessimistic, but then, you know, again, let's face it, we, we, we people, the readers are, there are less number of readers in the world today than there were. I mean, we can discuss it further, why is that so? But then again, uh, unlike a bigger poem, which might intrude with what you have already imagined in a few lines, a shorter one might give you this grasp, this space where you can really make it your own, right? Uh, if I really give you an example, you know, when I was in a literature class, and there's this huge, amazing epic, it's called Paradise Lost. Okay. And this epic is written by Milton. And I remember being in the classroom and before the class actually had begun, I was going through the lines and the lines that really reached out to me. And by the way, this poem is stretched out in 10 books, right? So it's a massive poem. It's not like something that might even get a hit today, right? So when I was approaching it, I read this line. Sing heavenly news that on the secret top of Oreb and Sinai did inspire that shepherd who first taught the chosen seed in the beginning how the heavens and earth rose out of chaos. I mean, think about it. <laughs> I thought, oh my God, this is going to be some glorific, glorifying shit. You know, it's going to be this massive, beautiful description of how human life came into existence. But the reality is that it was about the struggles of human life. It was nothing divine. However much Satan is divine, but he clearly represents what the mankind stands for. Humankind stands for. So Satan, uh, however defined, he is somebody who really represents the humankind uh, instead of the glorification of divinity. So the poem went on and that's when I realized that, you know, longer poems, they are so hard to grasp. And in this day and age, it seems that condensed poetry, by which I mean poetry that holds more density of meaning, you know, and thoughts in a limited space, basically less words, is the way of the modern world. You know, a narrative would be a way of the uh, a modern world. So even visuals, uh, you know, we were talking about how the attention span has decreased. And it brings us to visuals. I mean, we all know how Instagram is the one safe place where a fresh poet can come up and still feel like there's a community. (laughs) There's a massive community out there to really accept you as a poet. And, you know, a space where you can really grow. I would argue that WordPress is a better community. But then again, if you really want to have readers, you will go to Instagram. And what do you need on Instagram? Visuals. Bang on visuals. So really... uh, because you know, they provide you a dimension for those limited words that the market really appreciates. And to be very honest, if this pandemic was not really screwing things up, I would be going out there making cine poems a thing for my own poems. Right? So otherwise at the end of the day, if you write for yourself, you don't really need a you know, you don't need to give a damn about what form or what expression is really meaningful for the market today. You just have to begin somewhere, right? Just write it down and then eventually the form will get to you. That's what it's more like. Yeah.
0: Okay, I'm still trying to understand everything that he said. (laughs) And the poetry that you picked, it just went over my head. So I think I'm not going to be a good student. Now I'm scared. Should I keep my job? (laughs) Anyways, what I understood is when it comes to writing poetry, you don't have to stick to a particular form, but just go with your heart. But I think there are competitions out there where you have to enter. And as someone who has been the judge of a competition like this, I would say stick to the rules and if you have any confusion, then ask the judges. And uh, the reason this happened, I judged a poetry anthology, we had specifically mentioned not to send in poetry well, for four or five lines because it doesn't make really sense in a book, but people still did. And I'm, I'm not one to reject poetry, but I think at the end of the day, it should make me feel something. And <laughs> so that's just my view. And also in I fact, think you know, basically, yeah.
1: You're going to make a very good literature student, by the way, because the way you conclude all my abstract bullshit, <laughs> sorry, if I can use that word. It really, it really does make the need of the hour for academia. Yeah, that's what we need in the academic institution, somebody to really conclude in a way like this. Uh, actually, very interesting point about, uh, competitions and even, you know, like a master's program. I, I, I'm currently doing one, but I want to go further into creative writing. You know, I want to specialize there. So, uh, yeah, grammar is important there. If you're going to send your uh, portfolio to the, the University of Edinburgh or the University of Glasgow or Trinity, you know, you're gonna be very careful. You have to be very careful. So that is, a different space altogether. I think that's why it's really important to have you here to conclude my sayings with a professional outlook. Because right now here, I'm speaking with passion, you know. I'm going to be like, you know, you go, you, you don't sleep tonight before writing a few lines. It's going to be like that. So yeah, yeah you're going to be a good student. Uh, that's for
0: sure no, i'm just I'm, I'm a very dumb person and i'm trying to make sense of all this this is all i'm doing
1: no, not at all yeah that's not so uh,
0: the so i yeah we were talking about instagram poets i think so what instagram poets are doing and people who perform slam poetry is okay as long as their meaning and the message they want to convey is reaching the audience and i personally Personally, love that one by Sarah K and Phil K when love arrives, and I'm going to leave the link in the description if you haven't discovered them yet. So make sure you look there.
1: Yeah, it's uh, they are absolutely revolutionary. What they do is, you know, somehow it's way more reachable, and that's why that's why it's important. You know, something that we can really talk about.
0: Yeah. I won't be able to talk about or read Emily Dickinson in any way. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> That's okay.
0: That's we'll how I'm going to, to be Dickinson's a bad student.
1: So, <laughs> no. You're gonna be you you will love Emily Dickinson, trust me. Anyway, let's get ahead.
0: Okay, so moving on to the next question. How should one read poetry? Like, where to start if someone hasn't ever read poetry and is interested or writes little tidbits here and there? What should they start with?
1: Okay, so, I mean, let's go passionate again, right? <laughs> I mean, you just mentioned those revolutionary names, uh, Sarah Kay and Phil K. So we're going to go exactly how that stuff really happens. Uh, so what I'm going to say is that, you first read it to yourself, you know, you read it to your heart. You see how many times it beats when you're reading a particular piece. It's that, it's that, it's poetry, you know, it's supposed to be poetic. It's supposed to be crazy. It's supposed to be passionate. So yeah, you really need that connection with poetry, that state of being there in the moment. It is written in those very moments. Like, you know, you really have to feel it while you're reading. So, I mean, a nationally recognized example. Let's talk about <laughs> I'm pretty sure people who were about to sleep just woke up. So Farhan Akhtar, you know, he comes in and he delivers these few lines and everything slows down. It's all epiphanies. It's nothing else. I mean, and it's something that people might even listen to while traveling to their day jobs, you know, and that's that's kind of a that's the kind of a hope that he wants to resonate while you're really interacting with poetry. So while reading it, you know we can go into technicalities. You know we can do that. Uh, there is there is there is this thing called the I am. It's a meter. Uh, it's the meet, and meter is very important when you're reading poetry. What it essentially means is that uh, well I am is unstressed syllable and stressed syllable. And trochee is the opposite, the stressed syllable and the unstressed syllable. Okay, like the example might make it a little bit Uh, You know, everybody's heard this. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder what you are. So, you know, when you're reading these lines, uh, the meter is definitely twinkle, twinkle, little star. So it's like... Uh, Stressed, unstressed, stressed, unstressed. So, you know, it's it's like that. It's trokey. It's a very famous form of reading poetry. But that's not going to help us right now, isn't it? Because we don't really live in an age like where Faranakhtar is going to read his amazing words in this, in this manner. He's just going to speak it, you know. Visuals are going to do their jobs and it's going to really bang you in the head. So... The whole point of poetry in today's world is how one individual interacts with the art. Unless you're a professional who needs to recite like Benedict Cumberbatch, you know, reciting Keith's Ode to the Nightingale. If you haven't heard it, oh my God, you're in for a treat. And the link will be there, I'm very sure. You know, this podcast does a good job with the links. So unless you have to read or recite poetry in a traditional embrace, which I believe is rare these days, just value your own propositions, you know, with poetry. Let poetry be your own exploration, like what you personally believe to be the right way of speaking it. It's definitely what you make out of it. Yeah,
0: I guess. That, that seems like a lot of work, but I guess all the poetry lovers would want to do that. Like all the book readers want silence when they're reading and I of course I read aloud. It doesn't the words don't register in my head if I'm reading aloud, and yeah, I think I've heard Rupi Kaur do it, and it's mesmerizing. And you read it so well, so I guess you'll have to read one of your poems for us, right? That would be lovely. And <laughs> okay, so how to write better poetry?
1: This is just a funny one. How to write better poetry? How to be a better editor? You know, how to be huh. how to be a better author? Stay in company. That's a personal with a attack. Host of, <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say stay in company with the host of Little Larky, and you will eventually discover so many metaphors and become a better. person. Oh. Actually, you know what? <laughs> you know what? This is exactly the answer. That I'm. This this is the closest to any answer I can give to this ridiculous question. I mean, I respect the question. But come on, I mean, <laughs> poetry and better and standards so or what? So, I might just use uh, what T.S. Eliot had to say regarding this. I mean, uh, in his very famous essay, uh, it's called "Tradition and Individual Talent." And so, what really happens in that essay? He goes on and says that a poet, you know, he should be in touch with his immediate predecessors, but also have like this individual uh, expression of talent. You know, so it's just as any other thing. Spend time with Khushbu for to be a better mm-hmm. author. Or, you know, like read better poetry to write better poetry. As simple as that. I, I think that's the easiest to go around that.
0: <laughs> I think I understand that answer because that's the answer for writing better books. Because you read better books and you read trashy books even to know what to not write. <laughs> you do that. Absolutely. and. I got this advice from my editing teacher. So he was uh, chief editor of the Hindu in Bangalore. And he said, you can only write uh, good about something if you really care for that thing. So when I used to write for brands and uh, financial things, it was all research and copy paste from here and there. But when I write about books, it's all natural. I don't have to go to some google website and search how to write this <laughs> it totally makes sense absolutely yeah and when it comes to poetry i generally go into that mode when i read poems by Langliav. and it's it's very difficult for me to write because while writing poetry you have to allow yourself to be in the moment and feel everything and it's just so so much for me ah I'm not doing this it.
1: This is, no. this is interesting. I mean, I mean, look at, look at this girl talking like a true literature student because this resonate with Wordsworth's uncle so well. He says that poetry is the powerful flow of spontaneous feelings recollected in tranquility. I mean, yeah, just the, just different words with the same meaning. I mean, you really have to go through something spontaneous, something powerful. And it's supposed to be recollected. You have to feel it all the way. It's overwhelming. So, yes, you know, it's a, it's very powerful for the creator to feel all of it together. But that is the value of it, you know.
0: This reminds me of a conversation I just had with my friend. We were talking about that movie, okay. Rockstar, and he said, yeah. ke <laughs> There's some scene like that, yeah.
1: I remember, okay. I remember
0: that. I remember <laughs> One question from the editor in me. How do I edit uh, poetry? Are there any grammar or punctuation rules? Because I couldn't find any.
1: I am afraid I'm going to end up like this super abstract person in this podcast because it's forbidden. Okay. Oh my god. You know, like, <laughs> come on. Come on. Like think about it like this right? I can understand you're an editor. And we poets make massive mistakes, you know. But according to me, which is not at all the standard that, that <laughs> Stanford or uh, universities go with. <laughs> but as a poet and speaking to more poets, uh, I would say that some mistakes are essentially what the poem is. I mean, just think about Dickens's. Okay, let's go back to her. She wrote like a thousand poems, did not publish them during her whole life. She was like, you know what, I don't want to publish these poems. I mean, you know, they came out posthumously and took the world by a stone, which is not going to end anytime soon because she is so, so, so revolutionary. I'll give you three lines and you will know what I mean, right? So this is a woman, you know, this is a woman writing in times when women are not at all encouraged to express themselves in that complete liberated state. And look at the words she will use. She says, behind me dips eternity, before me immortality, myself, the term in between. I mean, this is a mic drop moment. Trust me, this is a mic drop moment. <laughs> this, is, this is like, and I mean, you, uh, I cannot do justice to reading these poetry because there are dashes behind phrases like, behind me dips eternity. I mean, how will you edit this? Uh, you know, there's a poem that comes to you which says, "Behind me, dash dips eternity." Dash. I mean, we just—you just cannot. It's—it's pound it's in these really difficult terms. You know, it's. I mean, you will. You even a linguist, linguist cannot sort this out. So, so the, she uses these dashes to symbolize something—a gap in the language. You know, like she says that language is not enough to express what I'm really saying. So for that kind of a thing, how can we really edit it? right? So of course proper grammar would be appreciated in today's world because come on. I mean yeah, at the end of the day, the goal is communications. Spelling should be correct. But as a poet, uh, you do hold what we call the poetic license. I mean, don't go overboard with it. But you can really, and I believe should, you should experiment with language. It is Like a revolutionary act to use symbols that denote more than language. I mean, 100 years down the line, if we are visited by an alien civilization, and come on, I am a total believer of this, we are going (laughs) to be visited by an alien civilization. They're going to come to our planet, they're going to have this easy, easy, quick read to the massive literatures, the massive volumes of literature. And you know what they will be stuck by? They won't be stuck by uh, grammatically correct sentences. No, I mean those are very common things. They're going to be stuck by these symbols, by these obstructions, by these mistakes that you make. But then again, yeah, I don't want to be butchered by my really, really good friend now. (laughs) (laughs) Keep the language correct is what I would say, but keep experimenting. I think that's really is something that is essential to poetry. So yeah. (laughs) I mean to be very frank with you, we poets we we just helpless, okay. We we really we hardly really push the industry these days, right? So we are not the immediate need of the. Maybe we are not, you know. Maybe in a very marketed manner we are, but then again, really the expression of poetry is actually the need of humanity rather than the the very specific uh market industry right now. I mean, I don't know how to really frame it. I mean, probably you can frame it better because you are somebody who's really out there doing things. But uh, I can really give you something uh, that is really famous in literature classes. It's uh, what Matthew Arnold says. And he says that poetry is the need of humanity. It's, it's what sustains humanity. Right. So it's it may not be gratifying. As it is almost prophetic. So that's something that I want all of the poetic enthusiasts to remember, you know. So it's not going to end up with one post who doesn't get enough likes, man. It's going to go on, you know, it's going to go on. If not with other people, it's going to go with you. It's going to come back to you ten years down the line and it's going to move you. So, really, experiment, go away, do whatever you want to do. I mean, at the end of the day, we have editors. <laughs> <Maybe> <laughs> They're going to make it easy for you. Trust me. They're going to correct all the stupid things you do in a manner which doesn't really hurt you. I mean, it will hurt you. Sorry to say that. But then it won't (laughs) hurt the market, okay? It will really help the market. So, it will go on. I mean, you can trust the editors. But the editors, yeah, I mean, go easy on us. (laughs) Just stick to spelling corrections. I think that's that's it.
0: That's all I know. I can't do anything else other than correcting the <laughs> spellings. I mean, like yeah. I said, I recently curated a poetry anthology and I absolutely did nothing other than correcting the spelling. error. I don't know why people put commas at a particular place or why they, you know, start the next line and enter. I have no idea what they're trying to say because... I might uh, as a person I'm limited and not all poetry speaks to you there's just some things and I can't be the judge right so yeah yeah. but there are just few places where I can correct the tense or art and add an article I don't know if I should but I don't do that because (laughs) it feels like disturbing a piece of art so whenever I edit poetry I don't edit it at all
1: as an author yourself, you really understand this. I mean, yeah. I think that's what really makes a good editor, I believe. So yeah, anyway, let's move on. I'm getting that. the
0: validation. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> You deserve okay. it. Okay,
0: Thank you. So, what's your favorite poet or poetry book?
1: Oh my God. Uh, the Romantics. <laughs> let's dial back to 19th century and I'll live there forever. I am absolutely crazy about what William Blake, Wordsworth, and Keats were able to do with Words. I mean, really, really, have you, have you watched the movie Dead Poet Society? Yes, you, yes, yes. You just, the way Professor Keatings really talk about the romantics, this is how they are. They suck the marrow out of life, man. So absolute ecstasy is what I feel when I really read, when I read them. Uh, I mean, everybody has their own taste, but the way romantics condense the interaction of nature And human feelings, my God, I can surrender my senses to them every day. So a poetry book, it's a tough one, but then I will take a shortcut and say Penguin edition of the Romantic Poetry again. (laughs) It has like, it has like 2000 poems or something. I don't know. I'm still discovering it. It, it, It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Ballads and sonnets and whatnot. I mean, you, you can be lost in that book. So the link will be there, of course, uh, but then, yeah. So I'm yet to really embrace the contemporary forms of anthologies, very popular these days. Just like you said, you edited one, right? So yeah. maybe once I'm done compiling my 15 poems about this task, I will look into what's really going on in the industry, I really have to. So compiling is a big task, I believe, you know? I have like a Google document, which has like 300 poems that, is, that were just written till 2019, right? And then 2019, further I have more documents and more journals, and how do you even compile this? It's crazy. So the idea of a poetry book, trust me, it takes a lot more than just uh, just, just you know picking up poems. It's 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 a lot more. So yeah, maybe something that the editor can actually suggest me uh, in case of a poetry book. But yeah.
0: I, I actually have. I have worked on a lot of poetry books and sometimes the poets come to me and they're like, we've written poems, but we don't know how to arrange them or to name them mm. or, you know, make <laughs> different segments. So I have to do it. It's a very difficult job. You're helpless people. <laughs> don't make nah, me compile 300 of your poems.
1: <laughs> don't worry. I, I I won't even let you read those poems. I mean, come on. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. The, I mean I don't read those poems. I don't know. <laughs> I
0: will mean, definitely
1: make you read the fifteen poems. You you're supposed to be in charge of yeah, them. Yeah. yeah.
0: Thank Just Fifteen you. of them.
1: Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I'll,
0: i 15 will do that. I can I've read like four hundred when I was curating the poetry book.
1: Oh my god, that's a all lot
0: all the entries. Yes.
1: No so wonder you know, poetry I is know. complex to you. read four hundred <laughs> poems in Oh, that's bad. <laughs>
0: i also have a lot of write-ups and i can't compel them for the life compile them for the life in me and i'm not in any rush to do it not going to do it anytime (laughs) soon guys my book is not coming out i'm not writing it but this feels like the perfect time to hear you read some poetry but i'm going to save it for the last because that's like the sweetest part or this podcast and let's oh do the questions I got and let's see if we have answered them all all right so my friend and a talented poet Aryan has asked how do we understand and appreciate freestyle poetry I think it's more to do with allowing yourself to step away from the idea that poetry is all about rhymes but I'm not sure what do you think Sanbay
1: oh okay this is interesting uh I mean, I love the nickname, by the way. <laughs> so, dear Arun, that's a really valid question. Uh, for people who have admired the more traditional forms of poetry and then witnessed the change, it is it is a bit of an adjustment. It's, it's all about really questioning what's going on. Uh, but this is what happens with prose as well. And it's really interesting. I mean, I love uh, the authors like... Uh, James Joyce and Virginia Woolf, they brought this narrative technique, the stream of consciousness, and suddenly it's not the first person or third person narrative. It's your psyche. It's your psyche. Just like literally, it's it's just spread across the page. You know, there is no form at all. You don't even know who the character is right now, whose thoughts they are right now. It's difficult. It's very difficult. But then again, yeah. So what I would really say is uh, to embrace just like your host mentioned, it's more of a stepping into a new kind of genre, Uh, like new music for that matter. If if the feeling is resonating with you, it is good poetry, no matter how it is shaped. Uh, As a poet yourself, I'm very, very sure that you understand that it's not really up to us how these words are really shaping up in the page. So I think you can actually share some empathy with the new kinds. (laughs) Uh, That would be my answer. Yeah.
0: That, that's a great answer. Maybe one of the only answers that I understood. Sorry, <laughs> oh I'm <God>. dumb. <laughs> it's completely <And> fine. <laughs> I get this a lot from
1: my professors as well. I mean, in classrooms, I speak anything at all, And then they come at me and they say, what do you really want to say?
0: <laughs>
1: and I say, I'll write it to you. Okay, It's better I write.
0: <laughs> or maybe just then give them the link to this podcast.
1: Oh, no i <laughs> <laughs> They will give me a C in every every subject like by default this guy is delusional he's, he's <laughs> making poetry appear like this passionate thing where is the political criticism oh god <laughs> they will be like wow. this
0: <laughs> So if I part. if we ever fight then I'm going to email all the people this podcast link in college yes I'm so well, my reputation anyway. <laughs> is uh,
1: my reputation cannot take even more damage. So I mean, that's a dilemma. Anyway, let's let's just go on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the next question is from Hari, who is asking for some good poetry pages on Instagram.
1: Hello, Hari. Uh, so, like, on the top of my head, there is a page called Paradox and Metaphors. Uh, that woman I'm forgetting the name again but she's she's very talented She's a very clean page altogether but you know what uh, as I said uh, I am not really into a lot of contemporary forms of enjoying poetry I should be I definitely will be I'm very sure but then I would say follow this guy called Jose this amazing amazing artist so what he does he's a very famous Irish singer uh, but every Sunday Like, I don't know if he's still doing that, but he goes on live and he reads poetry. He takes out the best kinds of poetry. I mean, I would attend his live session and I will have a reading list with him. He will introduce me to some poets that are just mind blowing. So, you know, I say, go there, you know, and like explore his space and Instagram altogether. I mean, you you must have a lot of options. I mean, I'm very sure it's a huge community. It's it's more about embracing what's coming to your feed, I think. (laughs) Just explore. Yeah, come on.
0: <laughs> okay, that's that's a good answer. And uh, my friend Varun, the cutie patootie, who also helps me out every time with the podcast, has asked for some good ballads that I've read. Varun, I wouldn't even know if I've ever read a ballad. I don't know what that is. So let Sunbyan answer this for me.
1: <laughs> I think we all know that uh and would have read a lot of ballads. Uh, ballads are basically poems that hold a very complete narrative, uh, so like you know a whole story. Uh, essentially, I mean, I am not going to go into technicalities of the 15th century ballad and the 18th century ballad. It doesn't make any sense right now, uh, especially for this this discussion where we are, you know, rejoicing poetry rather than criticizing it i hate my classes anyway uh, a very good example a very good example is actually the pop culture i mean you must have heard of luminous right and uh, uh, the ballad of cleopatra there's a there's a whole album you know you go to youtube you see the visuals there's a 40 minute or 30 minute video there are like seven eight songs and those songs are lyrics describing the story of a single woman and prospects of what could have happened to that woman Oh, my God, you're going to be mesmerized. So the Ballad of Cure Pattern, go ahead. Uh, if you really want to stick to something traditional literary, then I would, again, go back to Romantics and say lyrical ballads, uh, all about nature and its progression. You're really, really going to like it. Uh, and also very famous poets. I mean, ballads are abundant uh, when you really go on the internet. Very famous poems like Yates, uh, sorry, Yates. My professor is going to kill me again. I pronounced the poet's <laughs> name wrong. Uh, you're not sending them this thing. So Yit's poetry is uh, I mean, if you can accept him politically, that is uh, he's a joy to read. Uh, his second coming, it, it won him the Nobel laureate. So, you know what? Let's go back to The Fanboy I Am with Hosier. That poem influenced Hosier to write his song N-F-W-M-B. I cannot say the full name, but like Yeah, and I I heard these lines and it says, to Bethlehem it slouched and then must have caught a good look at you. So, I mean, uh, in in his second come the poem, right, Uh, what happens in that poem is that it predicts uh, the doom, that there's going to be this massive creature, he's going to crawl to Bethlehem and he's going to destroy everything. But... Then Moses, he uses these lines saying that, you know what, that piece must have been crossing. He must be going across Bethlehem. But then, you know, to to his lover, he says, he must have looked at you. And he stopped, you know, it's massively beautiful. Just go ahead and, you know, explore blues. They have a lot of ballads, a lot of traditional blues, you know. So enjoy music as well, I guess, (laughs) for ballads.
0: Yeah. That's something I got. The way you talk about poetry, I, I like. I want to go and read all of that, but then you also say things like, <laughs> "I hate my poetry class." So you're confusing me. Should I love that? I mean, I'm an M. S. student, or should I not?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to love the personal exploration part. Uh, by the way, I'm teaching uh, creative writing and poetry as a TA, so I mean that would be interesting. So far, poetry classes have been boring, but then <laughs> you know what I'm going to do now. Ha, ha, ha,
0: ha. So I've answered all the questions I got. And if you still need to ask something, you can reach out to Sagar. Don't ask me any questions about poetry. I really have no idea. I still don't. Let's just hope that I will after I'm done with this MA course. And now, the best part of the episode, where my son is going to read the poem one of is it one of those fifteen poems that you're going to publish in the book, or yes, ones? it is it's
1: the it's one of those fifteen. I'm never going to let out those three hundred ones, so
0: yeah, yeah, we'll just have to okay. hack into it <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: maybe posthumously, not right now, like <laughs> um. Okay, this is a real honor, by the way. Um, Also, I'm very sure that your host is going to be a pro (laughs) at understanding the verses and all the technicalities of poetry. So, bother her, bother her, okay? It's okay. You don't have to worry about anything. She's going to answer everything for you. Uh, But then, okay. Uh, So, currently, I'm working on this poetry book. I have fallen in love with the night sky. I am absolutely a freakishly amateur astrophotographer. I just love taking pictures of the night sky. And uh, this poem actually came up uh, when I was, I was really surprised. I use my phone to photograph, okay? And long exposure photography is a thing in phones. By the way, you should expose it. And somehow a streak of light came in the image with the stars and the clouds. You know, I should not do more talking and read the poem now because the poem is called The Shooting Star. Uh, Let's read it. Everything is a poetic force. Meteor sounds like metaphors. Crashing colors on the gray coast. Have you heard silence in a while? It streams across the midnight like a lie to daylight. For this frame of fraternity between you and me and everything, I feel like a fragment that is somehow, right now, complete. A streak of light dashes past the clouds, and I wonder how many eyes caught its flare out loud. A parcel of musings for a sapient dream. From the dead star to the darkest heart, from a nova to my nadir, a few seconds stretched out for eternity. So yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> Yay.
0: I wish I wish you guys could see him reading this because that's another sort of pleasure. We should actually, <laughs> <crazy>. you know, <laughs> spam his DM and ask crazy. him to go live and read it.
1: Well, maybe once With it's a- complete, you can see me all crazy speaking these words. I go nuts uh, while reading poetry. <laughs>
0: Right, that that's going to be a new experience and I guess that's it for today and uh, I hope you guys got to know more about poetry and I'm hoping to invite more guests on the podcast because I as a reader, as a person, as a writer, as an editor, I'm a very limited person and as the host talking. of the podcast... Just, <laughs>
1: She literally took so many titles, and then said, "I am a very limited person." <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, uh, I am a very that's, limited that's, person.
1: In in poetic language, it's called an oxymoron. By the way, yeah. Anyway,
0: <laughs> yeah. So, but my audience is very uh, like diverse, and I would want you to get to know about everything that's going on the kind of books people are reading, poetry, or the kind of books that are coming out, and the kind of editors there are. So I'm hoping to bring more people here, and let's see if that works out. If you're listening to this on Spotify, then make sure you subscribe so that you get a notification whenever a new episode is out. And if you're listening to it on iTunes, then make sure you leave a review, and I'll get back to you when I figure out how to do that and all the links that I've mentioned will be in the description. And I wish I could even, you know, post a poem that Sagar just read, but then it's copyrighted and you'll have to buy the book. Okay.
1: Marketing already, my dear editor. Thanks for having
0: me. (laughs) Okay, bye.